Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman here. Finally, we hit the Milwaukee's number one beat writer, Matt Velasquez from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Now, uh, you might hear all kinds of noises in the background here. We've got the world's loudest fridge in the background. There's a forklift just cruised by. Uh, so try and, and bear with us here. But Matt, as our friend Alex Boda from Bucks.com tweeted after the game, the Bucks snapped a season-high one-game losing streak tonight against the Pacers, 119-100. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone is really surprised by that <laughs> at this point. Um, we all know the Bucks don't like losing two in a row. This has been a story for a year and a half now, uh, basically. And every time – I mean, last year there were two situations, I think, where they lost two consecutive games, though one of those came at the end of the year, and who cares? Um, not most, most guys weren't playing then, but they, they don't like to lose. They don't like to lose two in, a, two in a row. They have not lost three in a row in the Bud era, except for in the playoffs, which we don't, we don't need to go there. Um, people don't need to be triggered this early in the podcast. Um, but tonight they, they came out, got a 22 point lead, blew it, and then got right back again. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those nights where, you know, you had to kind of ride the wave a little bit. So uh, you did mention that we, no one should probably be surprised by this. And I, I think that is true. Although uh, I, I did tweet out before the game that last year, the first time the Bucks lost back-to-back games was on March 4. And there was a number of uh, people that tweeted at me. I would assume multiple listeners of the podcast that to me seemed a little bit concerned about this game. And I just want to say, like, have a bit more faith in the Bucks. I mean, what are you worried about? You can't possibly jinx them uh, against this Indiana Pacers team who... Uh, Probably fought back when we didn't expect it. The Bucks come out, open up a 22-point lead. Uh, by halftime, it was back to two points. That was actually uh, cut back to one point early in the third quarter. Even tied at one point. It was tied? It tied so, at 60. I mean, it, it was a strange kind of, strange kind of game. I, I think defensively, uh, early in this one, we saw the Bucks flex their muscle, as we've seen uh, in the paint. The, the Pacers couldn't really score anything inside early. Uh, that changed. And ultimately, when you look at the box score at the end of this one, for Indiana to score 48 points uh, in the paint on 24 or 46 shooting, that's well above what the Bucks typically give up. What did you see from the Bucks' defense after that first stretch? Because early on in this one, it looked like it was going to be uh, a serious beatdown. Well, I, I think a bunch of those you know, came off turnovers. Uh, maybe not necessarily in transition, but I mean, the Pacers had 30 points off turnovers. Uh, so the Bucks' defense wasn't always set coming off of those turnovers. Um, and then I, I just, I just don't think they were as sharp as they normally are. And, and part of that is, you know, DeMontis Sabonis, you know, he has a way of getting inside and, um, you know, scoring, whether he's guarded by, uh, you know, by a Lopez or by Giannis, you know, he kind of has that nice touch. He knows how to, how to get his shots up. I think other guys like, you know, TJ McConnell had a stretch where he was getting inside. They had, did some floaters. Miles Turner got going, uh, just a little bit, um, 
you know, and then TJ Warren, you, you know how much he likes to work <laughs> inside in the paint, um, you know, and in the mid range. So I just don't think it was as good as they normally are. Um, you know, some of those are tough shots, but it also just, just wasn't as good. And, and guys were kind of, you know, being able to find creases to, to get through and uh, do things with. So on to the specifics for tonight, Giannis finishes with uh, 29 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. It was kind of a strange night for him, I thought. He ends up going 2 for 8 from 3, and some of those 3-point attempts were those early shot clock uh, shots that we've seen from him at times through the season that don't always seem like they're the best shot within the offense, but uh, he has been a guy who appears to be trying to work through some struggles shooting the ball from the outside. He's been uh, certainly not shy despite the fact that those percentages have been down a little of late. But the one thing that is of, is of note, and we've seen improvement over this in the last few weeks, you, you wrote the story with the Journal Sentinel about his free throw shooting. Seven for seven from the free throw, night, free throw line tonight for Giannis. Uh, he's up to 75% now since he shortened that routine against the Pelicans on February 4. He was down around 56 57% before that. Uh, this is honestly a significant development in the Bucs season. If this holds true right through to the playoffs, uh, this has been a big jump for him. Yeah, and it's been big. You know, Bud has had him, I think, on three occasions now shoot the technical free throw, and I believe he's made all of those um, in, in the three times it's happened. He's at least made two uh, that I can remember off the top of my head, including tonight. Um, but I think that you know, for him, he just had to kind of get back into his comfort zone at the free throw line. He's been a good or at least decent three-point or a free-throw shooter before. You know, he has gone a whole season where he's been around 75% before. So I think he just needed to, to kind of find his routine. And the, the thing that I wrote, um, you know, just after that Pistons game coming out of the All-Star break was that you know, he had to decide that he wanted to shorten things up and that he wanted to be comfortable and, and have a routine and set that routine. And he's been coached and pushed to, to have a regular shooting routine uh, at the free throw line and to, um, you know, kind of tighten things up. And it was him. He was being stubborn. He had to be the one to, to decide that that's what he wanted to do. And, and he settled on this, you know, five dribbles, and then he, and then he shoots. And instead of maybe shooting, you know, taking six dribbles or eight or four or whatever it was before, he always mixed it up. But now before the games too, he's also, you know, practicing where he's keeping his left hand off the ball. He's yeah. just using his right hand, and he's practicing, you know, his form from – you know, close to the hoop, just in front of the free throw line, at the free throw line, and even going out to the three-point line and doing the same thing. He's just trying to work on getting that, um, that shot consistent, not having to rely on his offhand. He just has one hand, and it helps when you have massive hands to be able to do that and, and kind of t- turn the ball from having it your hand underneath to kind of pulling it back. Um, so I think he's, he's put in a lot of work. You know, no one's ever questioned Giannis's ability to work on things uh, or just, just to work in general. Uh, so I, I think that so far the, the results have been really good and, and we'll have to see if he'll be able to keep it up. So tonight was the first time I was in the arena uh, that early to see him go through that routine that you're talking about. And uh, you, you mentioned already the fact that he has those ridiculously big hands. And I think that, that if, you, if you can see, if you, uh, can see Giannis shooting those shots, I think you get a really good picture of how big his hands are. And I, I think it, it's hard for me to really understand how you can have control on the ball with hands that big. And you can see that he makes it, he makes it look like me or you shooting with one of those uh, children's basketballs where if you shoot them, you know, it's difficult to control. 
Right. And this is obviously something that he's working on daily. But when you see him up close uh, in, with that perspective, you really do get uh, a feel for that. But the thing with the tech free throws, Bud mentioned after the game, and I know you were uh, in Detroit. That was the first time he did that, right? Yeah, that was the first time. Yeah, and in Detroit, I know that you asked Bud, and Bud said again that this is something that they've sort of decided, that if he's out on the floor, he's going to shoot that, that tech. We saw last time, I believe Middleton was on the floor, Giannis still shot the tech. So while he hasn't had to do that in a clutch situation, or in a close game, and would that change? Maybe. I think it probably would. If the Bucks are trying to win the game. But the point is, I mean, he's still in a situation where he's under the spotlight. There's no one else around him. Everyone's watching him. I don't know. I mean, to me, uh, it can't hurt at this point when he is going through this new routine. Put him under a bit of pressure on the free throw line. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, Bud is very much into the practice of kind of testing things out and seeing how they go and trying different things. Uh, you know, with, with Giannis and, and putting him in different positions and seeing what happens. I mean, it's a very, you know, low risk situation to put him out there when the Bucks are up like 20 in the fourth quarter, whether it's the Pistons or the Pacers, it's probably true in both. Um, but, you know, put him out there and have him shoot that technical and like give him just another rep, another game rep, whether it's against, you know, uh, an opposing crowd or, you know, where you have the home crowd with you or whatever, just go out there and do it. And the more free throws he gets, the more opportunities he gets, especially ones that have, you know, their, their low leverage situations, just the more he can see the ball going through the hoop and that his, um, his routine is working, then that maybe that gives him a little bit more confidence and he can step up to the line in bigger situations and be able to knock him down. So uh, before we move on, I want to talk about Dante DiVincenzo, but just one last note with the honest free throw shooting. So when you look at that 75% and compare that to the high 50s he was at previously, you are looking at a sample size of around 90 free throws. I think it's 89 now with the new routine compared to around 460. So whether this holds, we'll wait and see what happens over the next few weeks. But he, he certainly looks confident. And I think anytime uh, he has a perfect night from the free throw line, uh, you've got to be feeling pretty good about that. But on to Dante. 19 points again. I think this is the third time now he's scored 19 points in a game, which is uh, a career high for him. Uh, we keep talking about him on this podcast, but this is a guy uh, that has never really wavered with his confidence shooting the three. But I think we're seeing a definitive change in the assertiveness he's showing to put the ball on the floor, try and get to, to, try and get to the basket, try and uh, get different looks on offense. And uh, I, I think we've seen real growth from him, particularly in the last month or two here, that uh, he's becoming a factor on offense as well yeah it stood out to me in the Miami game when he had a couple pick and rolls where he was able to you know get defenders in the air I remember that first one early in the game where he he fakes a pass up to Marvin Williams both guys who were defending jump and then Dante is able to put the ball on the floor drive for a layup where he had to kind of pump fake as he went up because he can't shoot a normal layup he has to just <laughs> has to do something crazy he has to do something different <laughs> with all of his layups it's a running joke uh, that we have, but it, no two layups by Dante ever look alike. Um, but then, you know, a couple plays later, maybe in the next play, I, I forget exactly how that heat game went. And I'm kind of subdelirious <laughs> from the back to back. But, you know, he is able to go in. He kind of goes right into the chest of Jimmy Butler uh, yeah. and is able to, you know, get up there and, and uh, I, don't, I can't remember if he finished or got free throws. But either way, I, I think it was a strong move uh, from him. I think, I think he did finish that one. Um, you know, putting down, playing strong and, and being confident. I think especially a night like tonight where George Hill is out, you, know, you want to see that from Dante. You, you know, if you're the Bucks, you want to see, you know, Bledsoe being aggressive. You also want to see Dante when he has a chance uh, to also be aggressive, to find, you know, shots for himself, find ways to get into the paint to be able to create for himself or for teammates. 
um, because you know that he's going to shoot threes when open. You know that he's going to get into passing lanes. He's going to fly for rebounds. Um, he's going to hustle. He's going to do all those little things. But if he can attack and get into the paint and find ways to make positive things happen once he gets there, uh, I think that's just an added bonus and a development in his game. Yeah, the six free throw attempts tonight also tied a career high. And this is, this is something that obviously is going to come with him being more aggressive and getting to the basket. But his ability to get to the free throw line just adds another dimension for him. It was interesting talking to him after the game. Uh, he spoke about the fact, and I, I think this is one of the real benefits of, of having such a, a veteran presence on this team. There's just not that many young guys. And he spoke to after the game the fact that these guys are always in his ear. They're giving him confidence. They believe in him. And uh, I, I think... He also said, which was interesting, that they'll be quick to rein him in if he's getting a little carried away. We saw early in this game, he hit two threes, and then we don't see the Bucs take too many heat checks. Uh, I think the two shots that he took in the one possession, one was like a little mid-range fadeaway, and another one was a quick trigger three. I would say that they qualify as heat checks, and that might have been one of those times where they said, all right, let's just settle back into our offense. Yeah, and he knows that, you know, the offense isn't about him. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are a bunch of other guys who are going to be ahead of him. And if he finds the ball within the motion, within the, you know, kind of flow of the offense and is able to create off of that, that's great. If he's able to get a rebound and push in transition, you know, they love that. Um, but, you know, maybe some more of the freelancing. Like, if it works, it works, you know. But, um, but at the same time, like, you know, if, if you miss a couple, guys will rein him in. And, and you know, he'll, he'll be able to kind of figure out exactly – uh, what moments he, he needs to go and not go. And I think it's all in good – it's all kind of in good nature from everybody. No one's saying, hey, Dante, like, stop taking our shots. Like, no, no yeah. one's doing that. Uh, I, I think they just want to help him find the, the right spots uh, and continue to hone his game. And, and I think he takes that, you know, very well. Well, I think that's right across the board. We saw tonight that after such a, a hot start offensively, the Bucks did struggle for a bit, particularly in the second quarter, and that's when the Pacers were able to get in the game. When you talk about taking those shots uh, in the rhythm of the offense and, and these guys moving the ball and taking what comes to them, that was certainly what Giannis pointed to after the game was, as a reason why the Bucks fell in this hole where if these guys do stop moving the ball and start looking for their own shot a little bit, that's, that's, that's the one time where you see this offense start to have some troubles. Yeah, that, that was a, something that stood out to me from this game is that their offense still didn't look right. Yeah, uh, It didn't look right in Charlotte, but you, that gets kind of papered over by Giannis being incredible. Yeah, for sure. It didn't look right in Miami, and that gets papered over by nothing <laughs> because, <laughs> because, because they were awful yeah. and no one was good. And so you look at that game, and that's what gets – you know, a lot of the national pundits saying like, oh, like, I don't know about the Bucks," or, you know, Kendrick Perkins saying, well, like definitely the, the Heat could beat the Bucks, you know, in the playoffs <laughs> and you get all kinds of uh, shenanigans off of that. You know, one game becomes uh, a lot bigger because they look that bad. And Giannis even said after the game today, like they were really bad uh, in Miami. Um, and, and today, you know, they went by 19, but they still didn't shoot the ball very well. And they still had stretches, especially in that second quarter and at the end of a lot of quarters, you know, times when usually their bench mob is good, uh, they weren't. And in the second quarter, no matter who was on the court, they weren't very good. Uh, and their offense, you know, they thought it got kind of stuck in the mud and, and shots weren't falling. They missed 10 straight threes from the end of the first into, uh, into halftime. And so they were 5 of 20 from three today, just like they were on Monday, which is decidedly not good. Um, but then you, you know, we talked to a bunch of people after the game and, 
you know, Bud said part of it is just missing shots. Part of it's not playing good enough defense. And if you don't play good defense, it, you know, it, it's giving you, you mean you're taking the ball out of the hoop and you're not able to kind of get into transition like they want to. Um, Chris Milton said that they've just kind of been relaxing. They haven't been playing hard enough on offense. They haven't been moving the ball, doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, Giannis said that guys aren't running to the corners. They're, they're, they're jogging. Uh, and then they're not moving the ball enough. It's kind of sticking. And, yes, guys can create in one-on-one situations, but the ball also has to move. And if you're moving the ball and moving the defense, you're going to get good shots for everybody. And they've kind of fallen into a rut with that. Yeah, it's interesting. That was, that was another thing that uh, certainly Bud spoke about pregame in terms of those things that you're talking about. Sometimes if you win, and maybe Charlotte was one of those times where overall they weren't great. They won the game because they had an MVP. Now, do they jump on the plane after that game and think, well, we won. Everything's fine. Off to Miami. <laughs> let's, let's go. Woo-hoo! You know what I mean? Like, do they think that? And Bud said that, you know, sometimes after a loss, it's easier for guys to be able to uh, highlight where things have dropped off a little bit, where habits have probably dropped below the standards that they're usually at. And Giannis himself after the game also pointed to that and said, yeah, uh, we're not going to go 82-0. and But sometimes when you do lose, it's the same thing. If you lose... You can say, okay, yeah, that what we did there, where we dropped off there, that contributed to a loss. Whereas if you just keep winning and winning, uh, that sometimes gets plastered over. And this Bucks team relies on their defense to win games. Uh, some from the Bucks game notes here, we have uh, the Bucks outshot the Pacers tonight, had a higher field goal percentage. It's the 53rd time they've done that this season out of 62 games. Uh, I think if you're going to look at anything where the Bucks need to keep working on it, is, it is uh, their offense. Sometimes they do go through these stretches, and tonight, uh, they're able to to win by 19 points, as you mentioned, because the defense was overall good and they hold the paces to just 25% from three. Hasn't always been the case with this team. Yeah, definitely not. You know, we I think you can look at the last game they played the Pacers and, and guys were, were getting yeah. shots off. And um, I think it's also important to mention that, you know, Kyle Corver was out again with with back soreness that has kept him out for like i don't know like almost almost a month it's like you know just shy of a month at this point i honestly just want carl Culver to come back so matt uh can stop asking because i feel like it, at some point bud's just gonna like throw something at you when you ask or he's just gonna sit down and just say it straight away as he's opening statement and get it over with i, I would like for him to do that <laughs> I, I would like more regular updates um you know and sometimes you know when when Corver doesn't go on a trip you don't necessarily need to ask like okay so he's not gonna play like, we know that he's not here um and, you know, usually we wait to the end of the trip or until we get back, like, tonight and be like, okay, so he could be around. Yeah. Like, what's the latest? What's he doing? You've, you've been back. You've obviously talked to the medical people. You've probably seen him. Like, what's going on? And the answer is usually the same. It's, well, we think it's, you know, he's progressing. He's getting better. We're hoping it'll be a short-term thing. Um, but it's been, like, three weeks, and that's not short-term anymore. He's only missed, uh, what was it, like, nine games or – yeah, games, around, like that. around the All-Star break. Because it was the yeah. All-Star break. You know, and Bud did admit today that, you know, they thought maybe it would be a little bit shorter uh, than it has ended up being. But they're still, you know, you know, hopeful that he'll be able to play soon and he'll be going on this three-game trip in all likelihood uh, through L.A., Phoenix, and Denver. Uh, but also George Hill was out tonight. So two of their, their best three-point shooters weren't available. Uh, you know, obviously not guys who play a ton of minutes, but in the minutes they do play – you know, they're, uh, they're guys who stretch out the defense and make things, things tougher. And when they have wide open shots, more often than not, they've been making them. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to see how the Bucks are able to adapt um, when they get those guys back, you know, and 
it's just weird because they have a team-wide like shooting slump. They've been under 30% from three each of the last three games. Like, it's not like one guy went cold. Like, they all went cold, um, which we know, not to trigger you guys again, but, I mean, that happened last yeah. year in the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's better to get that out of the way now in March. Um, not, not saying that that can't happen later, but, you know, it's something that can happen and they need to figure out what they can do to um, create better shots or to, you know, continue to, to be productive on offense. And that's something that Eric Bledsoe said after the game, like, hey, we're going to have games like this. And you still have to figure out ways to win those games. And, you know, they've won two out of three. Granted, they were against Charlotte and an undermanned Pacers team that was missing Victor Oladipo and had Malcolm Brogdon leave in the second quarter due to a hip injury. Uh, but still, like, I think they can take that as a positive while they wait for the threes to start falling again. Yeah, the interesting thing, as we look to sort of wrap this up here, the interesting thing with the Bucks shooters, and this is almost another entire conversation, but when you look at the Bucks group as a whole, they've got a bunch of guys that are pretty good three-point shooters, certainly guys that can knock down shots, can get hot. But if you're talking about two guys that, that genuinely command real respect from the defense, it's George Hill shooting over 50% this season, and obviously Cole Corver, one of the greatest shooters of all time. So there's no doubt when you lose those guys, uh, the Bucks lose a couple of weapons uh, in terms of spacing the offense and spreading teams out, as you sort of pointed to. A couple of other notes from tonight. You already mentioned Kyle Corver looks like he's going to be on the on the trip, whether or not he plays uh, on Friday against the Lakers or maybe against uh, Phoenix or Denver. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But I did see him walking into the arena, and he didn't have a – have an A-frame or anything like that for his back. He's walking. He's looking healthy. Yeah, it's, it's a short-term injury, so, <laughs> so, so who knows? <laughs> and the other one, George Hill, uh, I, I will say I, I, I was cringing in, in the pregame when Bud mentioned the word. Uh, he needs some time to heal up in, in relation to George Hill's groin injury. I did not want to hear that. Uh, regardless of the box and what George Hill does on the floor, uh, just as a man, I hope that, uh, to use Bud's word, I hope he heals up. Yeah, no, I, I, didn't, I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> like it, it, it was rough. Um, though I, I did ask George before the game. Yeah, uh, this is just interesting. How he he felt uh, about the, you know, if it does anything for him that the NBA assessed Dragic a, a flagrant foul uh, after the fact, and uh, he said he doesn't do shit. So <laughs> that that was his response there. Um, he was. Let's just say he didn't seem happy. No. And uh, maybe more than anything, he seemed disappointed that there was no uh, effort made to make an apology from Dragic's case, which led him to believe that maybe it wasn't an accident. Yeah, that, that's one of the things he, he said after that um, was, you know, he was willing to give Dragic the benefit of the doubt. That, you know, he, he knew him, he had played against him before, that maybe this was unintentional. Um, but then while he's laying on the floor in obvious pain, pounding the, pounding the court uh, you know, because he's, he's in so much pain, Dragic never came over to, to ask if he was okay. Uh, Dragic never came up to him, like even later or, or extended, you know, a handout to him or, or asked about him after the game or anything like that. It just was kind of forgotten. Um, and, and George was saying that he, he lost a lot of respect uh, for, for Dragic because of that. And so that just makes it more fun when the heat comes, comes yeah, down. Hey. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm here for the content. So um the, the george hill goran dragic feud is on the backup point guards are ready to battle in two weeks when they're here and potentially in the second round looking a little bit further that definitely makes things interesting but there's no doubt i mean he he generally uh was not happy uh, let's no. just say that i mean no, it was, not at all it was very clear that george hill was pissed about this situation and uh as you would be 
after having something like that happen. One last note from tonight I thought was interesting, only because there's a lot of people that ask about this or a lot of people that talk about this, the fact that Giannis looks like he's off social media. You asked the question after the game about how do you uh, try and avoid all the hoopla, I guess, about this Lakers game coming up, the fact it could be a potential finals preview. The first thing he said is, well, first of all, I get off social media. Yeah, no, and he's done this before. Yeah. Like he did this uh, a couple of years ago um, when he first started to kind of burst onto the scene. I remember it was like an early season game in Atlanta um, two seasons ago, and he was starting to get hyped because he was playing great. And people were like, oh my gosh, this guy who was like the most improved player, like maybe he can get into like the MVP conversation. Like he's, he's starting out like gangbusters. And he said like, oh, I'm just deleting social media. I don't want to hear all that stuff. I, I don't want to watch anything on TV. People can tell me, my family can tell me, but I don't want to. I don't want to know. And so he's done that a few times in his career. Uh, most recently he did it after the passing of Kobe Bryant. And he, he just decided that that was best for his own um, mental health to not be there. And um, I was just during the game today, I was sitting next to my colleague, Lori Nickel. And she was like, Oh, like you follow Giannis on Instagram. Right. And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. What, what's going on? And she was like, Oh, well, he's not there. And I was like, watch you, Lori. Watch <laughs> yeah. you. Watch you. That, that, would, that would be, that'd be very mean spirited. I don't think she would take that very well. <laughs> Um, but you know, so he's gone and, you know, so that's when I first noticed it. And then he mentioned it after the game. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, with the playoffs coming and with a bunch of big games going on and with all the, you know, nonsense between, about him and James Harden, I think that, you know, I'm not really surprised that he just be like, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm out of here. Let me just focus on what I got to focus on. And, uh, you know, he's got a, he's got a kid at home. He's got things to focus on. You can't be scrolling through Twitter and Instagram and, and changing a diaper. It's very hard. Uh, yeah, we could probably all take a leaf out of Giannis's book and spending a little less time on social media with, uh, not me, my jokes are always great, but Matt, sometimes uh, your content strays a little bit. It's, uh, you know, I mean, it happens. Sure. <laughs> We're on your podcast, so I'll keep it nice. <laughs> all right, Bucks win 119-100. They now go to LA. So do you, Matt. You're going to early flight tomorrow, but uh, that's a 9.30 game on Friday night. There's a preview pod tomorrow caught up with Nate Duncan today, actually, so look out for that one tomorrow. Uh, we took a whole bunch of Bucks lakers what this game means, what it means moving forward, if anything at all. Nate's watched a lot of the Lakers this season. He uh, gives you a full rundown of what they're doing, what they've been struggling with. So that was, uh, that was a fun chat, so keep an eye out for that one. But Matt, uh, I've, I've held you here at the arena. You're you going to go home and, I don't know, do you have to go home and pack your bags or are you already packed? No, I got to go pack. I, I did not pack before the game. I, I planned to, I wanted to. Then the laundry just took longer than I wanted it to. And uh, You just got back off the road. It just, just didn't happen. Yeah, no, I, I emptied my bag from being on the road and I have not yet refilled it. So I will, uh, I will have to do that. Well, we appreciate you hanging back to jump on the podcast. It's been Matt Velasquez, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. You guys all know his stuff and know where to find his stuff. Anyway, subscribe to the Journal Sentinel. Yeah, that's, what you're tell- that's what you're always telling me. I- I'm always saying it, you know, and I- I've always said that, you know, a lot of the best stuff is, is uh, subscriber only. So if you, if you really want, you know, some of the better stuff, I, I relish holding that back just for subscribers because I, I think my, my work is worth something. So, uh, so yeah, subscribe to get me. You get all kinds of sports in the state. Oh yeah. And everything else like news, politics, business, important stuff that really matters. Like you'll get that too. And it's all for like a pretty cheap price. All right. Support Matt. He's a good bloke. I can confirm that. Uh, Bucks now 53 and nine, as we said, first seed in the West, first first seed in the Bucks on Friday night. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. 9.30 on ESPN, but uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Like I said, check out that pod with Nate, but for Matt Velasquez and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys next time.